sound check. Welcome to the inner dive. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to film the whole time, but I thought I'd at least start out with a little of visio, visio and audio. Visual and audio. <laughs> Woo! We may not be filming the whole time. It is tea. I gave you a look as if it wasn't actually tea and I was giving you a conspiratorial, but it is tea. Uh, this is the Inner Dive podcast and this is a solo dive and yeah, I uh, did not record in November. We um, intended to when Emma was in for a visit and we did record, we did record some things uh, which may or may not hit the airwaves of the wider public, but um, yeah, it did not, yeah, we didn't end up doing an official episode. That's just not the way the visit went, although it was a wonderful time, had a wonderful 40th birthday uh, and party around that. But yeah, no recording for November. So this is the last solo dive for the year. Um, the next one I'll be recording with Emma and yeah oh and also the music at the start um all over the place even though i made notes that's not very many notes but um yeah the music at the start is from emma and i'm really distracted on what whose eyeline i'm holding and there's no eyeline to hold so yeah i don't know i don't know if video is gonna i don't know if video is gonna be it for us um I know what I'm gonna do. Okay, y'all. This is unhinged, but I kind of think that it fits, especially because look, this. Uh, well, for the people who could see the video, this uh, vest that I'm wearing was once a coat, and all I've done so far is cut off the arms. I haven't even like finished the edges, and also half of the collar is gone because I use this coat to make my fox costume for my 40th birthday party. It's all good, but this is, this is me in all my <laughs> messy glory. So I think that we're just gonna go with the unhinged aspect a little bit. And I'm also on a seat that spins a little. So there's just mayhem in the house right now. Uh, and we'll see if we can get through this. So, but, to return to the music, <laughs> uh, the intro song that you've heard is a sample from a song of Emma's uh, that she wrote called The Body, The Sound. And that song is not yet fully available in all of its glory to the public. So that's just a little teaser sample that you get. Um, the lyrics are such, they're transporting. Um, Whenever I hear it, whenever my partner hears it, whenever we hear it, it just, um, usually we end up crying. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to when she's ready to release that whole thing. Um, I'm sorry, I'm so distracted by the visual. Uh, yeah, but I'm really happy that she uh, gave me the honor of introducing a little bit of it to you with having it in the introduction. So thank you, Emma. and. I look forward to all of you hearing the rest of that. 
that uh, song. It's a full, it's a full journey. It's a clear heart channel. And yeah, what else? November flew by and it is December, although today it was so warm that um, my partner and I took a walk in our woods and had a swing at the end on the hammock swing. He's hung up between the high pines out there and it feels more like a spring day than winter, but that's just what we get around these parts. And I have some updates for you and then I'm going to go into a topic that I have no idea if anyone else is going to be even a hint interested in it, but it's been, uh, yeah, it's been what's on my mind and also uh, kind of a lifelong thing that's been hanging with me and I'm just putting some more pieces together of it and yeah, so we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, yeah, I need a pause. Okay, I had to write something down that was a note in my phone, so the phone had to uh, serve another purpose besides recording for a second. So, uh, first things, mm -hmm. the writing update. Uh, so the writing update, last solo episode, I was talking about progress and the history with the novel in progress, the current novel, Three Turns of the River. And the update is that the novel has progressed since then, but at the present moment, it is on pause because of a side mission that's kind of top secret at the moment. <laughs> so that's all I'll tell you. Um, I will tell you more when the side mission is complete and ready, and then you will know all you want to know about it. Um, that will be after Christmas in the new year. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, there's good progress on the secret side mission, mostly. <laughs> Maybe I had some snags yesterday, but snags happened and the water keeps moving around the snags. So uh, yeah, actually, I guess that's the main, the main update. And now I can just talk to you about what has been on my mind, which is noted on, like I have it written down as the history of animation. It is, stay with me, it is not the whole history of animation, although yes, I am gonna talk about some of the history of animation, uh, mainly on the Walt Disney aspect of things. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, more about my history with animation, which I think I've gotten into a little bit in, I want to say the first guest episode with Lauren Wyrick. I think my animation obsession came up. Um, I don't even know what I have to call it an obsession anymore. Fixation? Fascination? Let's just get into it. All right, so I have not always wanted to be a writer. I, for a long time, well, okay, for a long time, when I was eight, let's say, if you'd asked me what I wanted to be, I wanted to be an animator for Disney specifically, only Disney. 
and an animator, not just like work at Disney, work in the parks. I didn't even really like the parks. I actually didn't even really like Mickey Mouse, which is also a funny thing. Like I have an ideology about the company and what they were making and the worlds they were making. And I had thick, heavy, hardcover books about animation and about Disney animation history and read biographies of Walt Disney. Like I was fascinated mostly with the, the movement from a person's brain to their hand drawing like a tiny cartoon mouse to the explosion of this creative empire. And to me, it seemed like a place that put emphasis on imagination. I mean, that was what they were selling in the 90s, right? Is this imagination-led and driven art form and whimsy and like you didn't see that wasn't there weren't a lot of career options that led with your imagination is going to get to be you know celebrated here and have space to work and collaborate and make these fun worlds and disney to me seemed to be that place so when i was eight i wrote a letter to walt disney animation studios and I got a letter back from one of the animators. Okay, his name was Mark Hahn. I know his name, I just didn't want to tell you because you don't know his name and it doesn't matter to you. But it mattered to me at the time. And I'm pretty sure, and I hope I said his name right, pretty sure he was the one that was responsible for drawing Belle, so that was a really big deal to me. Um, yes, so anyways, I got a letter back to him from him about like basically the path that I would need to take in order to become an animator. Disney and so I was all about okay I'm gonna just follow the track that has been laid out to me of how I will get to work for this company and I spent hours you know copying and practicing drawing different Disney characters I had a drafting board that we got from our garage sale and I was just in there like on track until <laughs> around when I was like 12 basically right after the Lion King I felt, I mean, we didn't really even have, I honestly don't remember like news stories. Like I don't remember what the signal was that I got, but somehow I had a very strong about face from wanting to work to this, for this company and devote myself to their, you know, mission and their creations to basically being like, They've sold their soul, and I don't want to work for them anymore. <laughs> um, which I know that that's kind of like a common take now, but at the time, it was, you know, 1995, 96, like they had just come off a lot of hit animated feature length films, and I was 12, and there wasn't much internet then. And how did I know? Like, what did I, what was the width that I got? about that. Whatever it was, I decided they've gone soulless. I don't want to work for them anymore. And that was that. And then, you know, things unfolded and we've all watched Disney become the money grubbing whatever that we perceive it as now. If that's your take, I'm sorry. If you don't, if you still have a pristine, like sweet view of Disney as a company or whatever, then bless you and enjoy, but 
by and large, it just seems like everything is franchised out the wazoo and not even franchised, merchandised, merchandised. And it's just, you know, it's not as appealing as it once was. Here and there, some good, some good films, a lot of them. Um, anyway, and then, uh, but even so with kind of, what do you say, getting disillusioned, falling out with the idea of them as a company or wanting to work as an animator or anything anymore, um, I still enjoy a good how they made it animation documentary. There's one on uh, Frozen or Frozen 2, I think, on Disney+. Plus. This is not sponsored by Disney+. Plus, and <laughs> it's just... Uh, I have a lot to say about this subject right now. Anyways, so watch some animation documentaries and uh, for whatever reason, something about, maybe it's something about having the story with the music combined with the art all together to like, you know, just really get the heart. It still appeals to me and I like seeing the back end of how it all, how they storyboard it and love like all of the like, nitty gritty of all of those details. And so last week, um, while I was painting and working on a project, I put on a documentary about Walt Disney, just the spark brought me there. And they were talking about, um, oh, actually it was, I did watch one about Walt Disney and that was its own thing. But then I was watching one about um, like Disney parks, like more like the, you know, Disneyland, Disney World, which like I said, never had much interest in. I'm like, it was just, it just wasn't my cup of tea even as a kid. However, it was interesting watching how they made it and Walt's original spark for the idea and then how it changed over time and then the handover to the different CEOs after he passed. And the whole like Michael Eisner era, which this is when we get into the era where little Esther gets disillusioned. And for a while I had Michael Eisner as like the reason, like he is the reason why the company went downhill and like whatever I was very righteously indignant about. And which isn't totally inaccurate because he was at the helm when it went downhill. But a detail that I didn't know and don't remember knowing at least um, until this last week is that there was a um, he wasn't he was like the number two I can't remember the exact title but anyways his like collaborator and other person at the helm um, or one of the other people at the helm died in a helicopter accident and the People who were being interviewed in the documentary said, yeah, after that, the whole, you know, feeling around the company really changed. And it really seems like things, I, I think the quote was, hold on, I did write it down. Everything had to have a purpose and a meaning as opposed to just being delightful, <laughs> which was a grim change. And the whole company shifted into being more about money and profits and having more, less about the art and the fun of it. And guess what year that was? <laughs> the year that little me was like, eh, something stinks over there, it's not the same. So points for intuition and for knowing when something has veered off the rails into a different direction than I wanna go. And also 
what do I even want? I mean, there's not really like a takeaway, like here's the moral of the story. It's more that as with Disney, so with the publishing industry right now, so with so many things where it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like I'm missing a boat that I want to be on by not joining up with how they're doing things. It feels more like there was a kernel or like a, I'll say spark again, that was present with them at one point, or maybe still is in some way, that I don't necessarily need to mine from them, but that I want to hold in my own, mm, hold in my own view as I go forward and as I decide how I want to structure my own creations or put them out into the world and having basically these displays of what it's like to just get become bloated uh, <laughs> I was gonna say money grubbing again what's another what's another phrase where it's just about the bottom line but basically where you are placing your creative work more on a the capitalist scale and trying to make it make a buck and you can make a buck and maybe you need to make a buck but having creativity bow down to that as the top priority I think we've all seen what happens so basically I feel free <laughs> I feel like I've watched these things that I used to want to be accepted by or work for or with. And now my takeaway is I don't want to go the way they went. I want to go the way I wanted them to go. And I want to build more of that kind of thing in the world for myself or if I ever have a team or more people working with me that it's more about how the thing is made than what kind of money it's making <laughs> and it's more about um, people making what they want to make versus making what they think other people want them to make because yeah because <laughs> um, so yeah that is some of what has been kicking around in my mind but yeah it is, there's also, uh, there's also the watching, like, I don't know, I was reading some articles about the, um, what do you call them? I want to say the brass, but that's like, you know, the, um, you know, like the top dudes, the executives. I was reading an article with this journalist who was kind of in on the whole debacle um, after, after the one man passed away and then after Michael Eisner was having this whole thing with Jeffrey Katzenberg. Some of these, I'm saying these names like they're sports teams that you guys know about. Um, anyway, but it's just so funny that they're working, like they're leading the way on this like whatever billion dollar company that started from a little, little guy drawing a mouse, like cracks me up how anything the origins of anything um 
and there was one call where two Michaels were on the call and the journalist said Michael and the one they were like well which one and she's like well can I call one of you Mike and one Michael and <laughs> this is this is the level of maturity that was being brought to this discussion the more top dog one asserted I'm gonna be Michael you have to be me and I was like I think they're bringing the wrong kind of childishness childlikeness to this endeavor like you know there is there's childlike that you can see with you know the eyes of a child through wonder and what would be delightful and then there's little boys trying to play king of the hill and you see how that goes in the in the business world when all of a sudden you're playing king of the hill and you've lost millions of dollars because you're not honoring each other's contracts just because vibes you don't get along okay michael's aside uh I guess the, the closer of all of that is I once wanted to work for Disney. I don't want to work for Disney anymore. I want to work for me and I want to play for me. And <laughs> that's my business strategy.